Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine, and we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. No. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story, and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. Hello, beautiful. Welcome to the New Truth Podcast, episode 75 with Rochelle Girardin. Um, this beautiful soul. A man is not a financial plan is this episode. God, so <laughs> fucking important. So important. And Rochelle, Rochelle is one of my oldest friends. We've been friends for um I don't know, 11 years or so. And she is such a powerhouse. She is so brilliant. This woman inspires me beyond belief. Um, she's helped me so much with my financial world. It's not like she, she has her own business. It's, she doesn't teach about money, although she's kind of moving in that direction with her business. Um, but she's just like, I've never met a woman like her who's just so fucking anchored in herself financially. And I think how much of the fairy tale story has women hold on to this fantasy that like, if I had a man with money, then everything would be better. And the truth is, I know a lot of worked with a lot of women who are married to men with money and have friends who've had that experience as well. And it will never feel like your own. That is the one thing I've seen over and over again is it will never feel like your own. And so to be empowered around money as women, I think in the in the new paradigm in the 21st century, it's so important as women to be empowered around money because we didn't have any power around money for a very, very long time. And so it's still new for us. So it's not our fault that we're still, there's just so much um, fantasy and disillusionment and um, disempowerment around how we do money. But Rochelle is such a boss, such a badass. And I'm so grateful that we got to have her on the podcast sharing her brilliance. This was an incredible episode. Like I'm so freaking excited that it's now time for this episode. Yes. And as usual, you know, you love us because it feels like coffee talk, right? Like you're, you're on the wall listening to three girlfriends talk and Rochelle was not only brilliant, really also beautifully vulnerable. Yes. And we talked a lot about, because it, again, it's always two extremes. It's either the woman who is looking for a man to be her financial plan or the woman who's actually hiding behind yeah. all of her money, right? Totally. And not knowing how to open her heart. And so we covered it all. And if you've been curious about how to even talk about money on dating, we talk about that. Like, how do you bring it up? How do you manage your money? How do you heal your relationship? with money. There is so much in this episode. So Rochelle is the founder of a private chef company called Beyond Nourished. She's a certified holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed personal finance and business nerd. 
Her entrepreneurial journey started 10 years ago during her first year studying holistic nutrition when she began Beyond Nourished. Over the years of building her company, she has learned that the only way to succeed is by failing. She has pivoted, taken action, hired employees, and now can confidently speak on the positive impact she's made on the world and what it means to create financial freedom. Rochelle is committed to sharing her biggest financial mistakes in business and personally and how you can avoid them, how she has become financially free and how you can too. It was the launching of her Holistic Chef certification that opened her eyes to the scary fact that people are way too focused on wanting to make more money, but lack the know-how on what to do with it. Whether you are raking in the dough or wish you were making more, improving your relationship to money will guarantee more success in your life. And one of the things I shared in the episode is that if a woman cannot choose herself out of a relationship, she cannot choose herself in it. And if you cannot take care of yourself, if you are not responsible for your life, you are not going to be able to be empowered in how you operate in relationship. And there are so many women who are, and like, this is not a a light, lightly made comment. Like there are so many women who aren't able to leave because they literally don't have anything, you know, to themselves. And it is a very, very, very scary place to be. And so I love that this episode's coming right off of Nicole's with healing your survival pattern, Mm -hmm. because you deserve to be thriving in your life. And we hope that you feel empowered around this conversation. And then most of all, how many people get married to people they don't even know and don't even ask questions about money too. Like that blows my freaking mind. Yeah. So I, we were both, we were, all three of us were uh, fired up in this episode and really looking forward to everybody's feedback on it. So enjoy. Hello, hello, beautiful souls. Happy New Truth Tuesday. I'm so excited about this episode and this amazing, magical guest that we're sharing with you today. And such an important topic. A man is not a financial plan. I feel like extra excited about this because (laughs) Catherine and I love talking about the fairy tale. And I feel like we haven't really gone deep into it in a long time. And yet, of course, the fairy tale love story is what sets us up all to be so dip, disempowered. And yeah, this is such a big topic. So we, we brought in the big guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we brought in a dear friend of mine who Rochelle Jardin, do I even say your name right? One of my Gerardin. oldest friends. Very close. Okay. How do you say it? Gerardin. Okay. This is the second time on a podcast that I <laughs> I've realized I don't know how to pronounce my friend's last names. Like Rochelle and I have actually been friends for 10 years. And okay, good thing but- you're cute. <laughs> so Rochelle, we'll just call her Rochelle. Um, she, uh, Rochelle and I've been friends for a really long time and we've been on a magical journey together. We've traveled the world together. We've worked together in many different capacities. And I've watched this woman build an empire in front of my eyes. And it's been so powerful and inspiring for me, who's had a lot of inner stuff about money and receiving money and allowing myself to be abundant and to, to actually yeah, to grow wealth. And there's so much that I learn from you every time I'm around you. And I just feel like you have so much to offer. And as women, we're, we're disempowered. Like we're still disempowered around money in 2021. 
And we carry, I think we carry so much crap from our ancestors and from, you know, mom, grandma, great grandma, like women didn't even have our own bank accounts until what, the 60s 60s. or the 60s? Yeah. And, and probably in the 60s, not that many women had bank accounts, like it probably took, you know, a few decades for it to actually happen and for women to start making their own money. And so obviously, we have come a long way. But most women I know still have an inability to actually receive money and feel secure within themselves. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. And you are just absolutely the boss of all bosses. I'm so (laughs) this okay, I'm going to tell one quick story this one time after pre-COVID, after your trip, you were, she was away for a couple months and we all got, our girlfriends got together for a dinner out and Rochelle had this beautiful leather wallet and she pulls her wallet out and she opens it and she's got like $3,000 cash in her wallet. And I'm like, what? Why do you have so much cash in your wallet? And she, I can't, you, you were like, oh, abundance mentality. And I'm like, I should put $3,000 cash <laughs> And I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever seen that much cash before. And it was just, she's just, Mm. yeah, just such a boss. I look up to you so much around this and I mean, around many things, but definitely around this. So I'll let you talk now. (laughs) Thank you for being here. (laughs) Yes, you're very welcome. We'll see if I live up to the, the, uh, the hype that is Kate Harlow. Yeah, my relationship to money has always been it's something that I have a lot of memories about like as a kid it was very much part of my um, upbringing and infrastructure I remember as a kid one of my first money lessons was my mother gave my sister and I a thousand dollars at the summer and the rule was we got that thousand dollars to last the entire year. So it didn't matter what we spent it on. It didn't matter how we spent it. But the lesson was you have to make it last and you have to know that you're not allowed to have any more after this amount. And I think that that lasted quite a few summers. I, I really remember like two summers where I had blown hundreds of dollars on Evian bottled water and was like, <laughs> At the, at the end of summer was like, I barely have any money left. This was probably one of the first years. Probably like How old seven, were you? How old were you? Seven or eight. Okay. Wow. 11, that's such a cool, yeah. that's amazing. And, and I also remember how I had a debit card and how much a thousand dollars felt like. It felt like I had all the money in the world, yeah. truly. Yeah. And I remember going to the ATM and like debit cards were pretty new and Um, yeah, that was one of the first lessons. And then I, my mother had given me a credit card really early, like when I was 16 or 17 and taught me that building how to build proper credit, which was basically use your credit card and pay it off. And I mean, she worked in banks, but I mean, I don't really know where she learned her money savviness from. And it wasn't like it was a big issue or a big um, topic, but there are these small things that I remember being like, oh, I wonder if that's why I'm slightly the way that I am today or like, you know, how the, how those lessons impacted me. But funny story, my sister and I kind of got the same lessons and we have extremely different relationships to money. Mm-hmm. So like it's not really all... My sister, um, in personality, we're also very different. She's a lot more conservative, a little bit more safe, um, and in job in life. And, um, 
yeah, I would say that she's very much more a spender and I'm a bit more of a saver and um, I'm, I'm probably more risk uh, tolerant and she's less risk tolerant. So yeah, I don't know. Same parents and uh, definitely different relationships. Astrology. I bet you anything it's in your astrology too. They actually say that where and when you were born has the most impact on your psychological um, relationship with money. Because if you were, if you were born during a recession, that is going to impact how you see a dollar. If you were born during a boom, that is going to play how you play out money. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because in our lifetime right now, the three of us, we've never seen the housing market really crash. We've never seen a real estate in our lifetime has only ever gone up and that's all that we ever know. And so we think that we're missing out on something right now. We think that, Mm. um, it's, there's only one way to go and that's up, but talk to anybody who's actually been through a a true financial Mm. crisis in terms of mortgage rates going sky, sky high, and, um, they'll have a different relationship to wanting to buy houses, but we all think we're missing out on something right now because we only know that it goes up. Um, but I assure you that if history has taught us anything, it's that the world is unpredictable and, um, what goes up often does come down. Wow. I love that you're naming that your sister and you are different. Cause I, I think I, I mean, I stand firm in that our childhood influences our life and especially our love life. And we have to hold it lightly. It's no, it's not like I'm going to spend decades like digging into my childhood to like figure it all out because there are so many things that influence, you know, and that we can all empower ourselves around it. Like I'm thinking about how the message your parents sent, sent to you covertly and giving you that money is you can figure out what to do with this. Right. And so much of what's behind the fairy tale is you cannot figure it out. Right. Like inside of I'm waiting for a knight in shining armor, a woman has to have an idea of herself that says I'm not able to do this on my own. I can't be responsible for my money because I think that was something I realized was unconscious for me. The disempowering message that is covert rather than, oh, I actually could learn this. I could figure this out, which is, of course, the message Kate and I stand for around love. You can learn how to love well. You can learn how to do things differently. You can create what you want. And so I just, I can feel that in my body hearing your parents do that for you. It's a full trust and empowerment. Here's what you get. You get to figure it out. You get to be in charge of this, which of course is what boss case loving on you about being the boss. Like that's the, that's power. I get to decide how I want to use my money, spend money. True responsibility. True responsibility of, of what you want, what you get, you know, the whole thing, what you learn. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I mean, I can still see, like, I just think we all have so many beliefs, like blind spot beliefs that we don't even know are there. And as we're having this conversation, I'm like, wow, I think I still have a belief that I couldn't buy a place by myself. Mm -hmm. And it, it just not even knowing that that was there. Like I've just like, never desired to buy a place other than I want to own a villa in 
Greece or Italy, but I've never, but I, I, I think that deep down there's a belief that I couldn't do that on my own. Mm-hmm. And I was just sharing with you before we started recording that a dear friend of mine re- recently realized she's been, you know, dating off and on for the last decade, but like been mostly single and doing really deep spiritual work and healing and all of that. And that she uncovered that she still had a belief. And so a year ago, she got her money act together and was like, Oh my God, she, we were walking one morning and she said, Kate, I had the biggest epiphany today. And this is maybe a year and a half ago. I realized I, even though I've been single for 10 years and the better part of 10 years, I still was waiting for a knight in shining armor to like, so I could buy my dream land and I could do all these things. And now, and then she had that epiphany and realized, holy crap, that belief is not real. And she got her act together. And now it's so cool watching her just like growing her wealth and doing all these cool things and playing with Bitmoji. And of course, she's a friend of yours too. So, you know, and it's Bitmoji! just- Bitmoji! That there's- Bitmoji. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's Kate. Oh, that was Kate. That's oh my Kate. God, that's the money. best. That was the best. Bitcoin, it is not called Bitmoji, but Kate does send a ton of Bitmoji. Maybe I need to buy shares in Bitmoji. <laughs> This is clearly not my aptitude, but Rochelle is my mentor who I'm slowly learning. <laughs> oh my God, You're that hilarious. <laughs> but like how many women who are listening, you know, have that, have yes. that limitation where, where they think of Bitcoin as Bitmoji, you know, who have that, who have that, you yeah. know, belief somewhere. And, and I think, God, all of the women I've worked with who are married and who almost stayed because they didn't think they could do it on their own financially. And how many women are still married because they don't think they can do it on their own. And how many women are single and think they can't actually buy a house till they get married. And like, just how limited we are by this story and how this story is, in, it's indoctrinated. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder... It's actually radical for me to hear that in a sense, because I've swung to the other side of the pendulum where I have never even considered that I need somebody for that, Um, which comes. And by that, I mean, purchasing a home or taking larger financial risks in my future. Um, And unfortunately, it's come with a little bit of... um, a confusion because I really do seek partnership and I do seek building a life on my own. But in, in my life, I have just created it for myself without the reliance on others. So the dream is there. The, um, the route there is already paved or is being paved. How do I welcome somebody in and, and, and to trust to do that together. So yeah. I'm actually curious to talk about the balance of these two polarities, because mm-hmm. as much as we are ingrained um, in believing that men are that step in that direction in terms of what's next, um, how do we also stay open to, yes. to the, the, the welcoming on the other side? Like where, where is the balance? Because the woman that also comes out of the the relationship and says, okay, now I'm going to do everything independently. How does she ever re-welcome what she had that she had gone too far with? So, um, you know, what is okay? What, where, where is the middle of the road? Yeah. I I mean, I work with couples. I have so much to say about this and to remember the gift of relationship is not, there aren't like 50 million different patterns. 
Like once you understand your <laughs> patterns, that is the empowerment and the polarity of the spectrum is either too needy, codependent. And I personally don't believe in misindependent. It's anti-dependent. Mm-hmm. That's the, the range. And it's not, when you think of the history, women needed a partner in order to survive. So of course the empowerment becomes, well, I'm just going to do everything myself. And the gift of 2021 is we're no longer having transactional partnership, although some people still are trying to do relationship that way. But when you are, when a woman is supported financially, then her work becomes, do I know how to let someone in emotionally Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. unhook from that it's about money? Because it's kind of, you don't want to say like, oh, I want someone who's got exactly the same beliefs as I do about money and has built an empire like me. That's not it. It's, is someone going in the direction that I'm going and responsible enough around their life? We forget to look, we forget to put that on our quote unquote bullshit list of what we want in a partner, like emotionally mature, (laughs) financially responsible and financial responsibility looks different for everybody. And if you aren't responsible for yourself financially, a woman cannot choose to be in a relationship that supports her emotionally, Mm. right? To care for someone's heart is the work of relationship. And inside the fairy tale, it's take care of me. That's the Cinderella complex for the codependent. I need someone to take care of me, which sets you up for just a horrible relationship. And so for the woman who's now anti-dependent, because it's not independence, we have to stop calling it that. The goal is interdependency, anti-dependent. It's do I know what it looks like to rely on people emotionally? Do I know what the signs are of a man, of letting a man or a a partner be there for me emotionally? Because the work of partnership is, do you, you care for my heart? And so I love that you're on the other end of the spectrum because I, I mean, I plenty and Kate said it too, like once a woman actually gets the courage to get divorced and then take responsibility for her life, she then does swing to the other end of the spectrum. And so the heart center is the work living from heart center is both. And am I responsible for myself? Yes. And can I let myself be supported by others? Yes. You know, and, and, and being empowered around asking for help, like when figuring out the money stuff, I have asked for my husband for financial help. And that's different than dependency. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, if we're empowered together, we have to be able to rely on each other, but the walls can come up in a million different ways. And so it's so important for every woman to get, I mean, digging up what's on, unco- there's a reason it's called unconscious. Like unconscious means unconscious. You're not aware of it until you become aware of it, but to find ourselves in all ends of the spectrum, because you better believe I can look at the places I don't rely on my husband in other ways. It might not be around money or emotions, but I, I have to work very hard at letting him into my heart. That's a daily practice. And I imagine your attitude with empowerment around money. It's not like oh, now I never have to think about it. It's like, oh, I've got it down. I figured it out rather than it's probably something you're always mindful of. Would you say that? That like you live mindful of how you're managing your money, working on your money beliefs. Like it doesn't just come, you're all set, right? Most people want to believe that building wealth is built around optimism, but it's actually to do (laughs) a lot more around- 
not being complacent and living mm. from a pace, place of, and I, I hate to say this, but you guys, it's so true of a bit of paranoia. You're always building wealth is slightly about thinking about the unforeseenable circumstances. It's about saving when you have nothing, a goal, like no goal in mind. It's saving for the unpredictability of life. And that is truly building wealth other than mm. other things. And you know, more of the diversification and time aspect, but people need to consider that safety is part of safety. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is money relationship. And I would say, again, this is where I stand on a real extreme end of the spectrum, which is a lot of the safety that I experienced in life and have experienced since a young age was having money in my bank account. That is how I felt safe in the world. And just like being an overspender is not a great idea. Being an oversaver is also a really tough part too. You lack the ability to experience pleasure. You lack the ability to, um, mm. <laughs> to reap the rewards of hard work. There, there are people think that people that save all their money or, or, you know, have money in the bank are like far beyond those who just spend it all the time, but everything comes at a cost and at a trade-off. And so while overspending, you know, can cause a lot of um, debt or stress or, you know, negative impacts to credit or whatever the future might hold in terms of needing that money. Um, having just it sitting in the bank and not knowing how to spend it either is um, a relationship that I, for the last six years have really been working on because as you grow a business, you have to know when to spend money. You have to know when it's okay to do that um, in business or in your personal life too, when to take risks, when to purchase property, when to whatever. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm thinking, wow, relationship to money and relationship to men is kind of the same. <laughs> it's mm. like, it's because it, it, it all just, it's all just, where's it coming from? Is it coming from protection? Is it coming from fear or is it coming? And of course there's a like healthy amount of fear that will always be there, but what part is making your choices? What part is leading? And, and like when you are, you know, I mean, I think of all the women I know who have gone to the other end who chose the secure man who had money and how they thought that would bring them safety and security. But what ended up happening is they never felt like the money was their own. Even when they were raising the, this man's children, they still didn't feel like they could ever spend money on themselves because they felt like it was his money, even though mm -hmm. they were working way harder, way longer hours being a mom. Mm -hmm. And yet the, the, in, their, in, in their psyche somewhere, it just didn't feel like their own money. And so it's a false illusion and fantasy that that's going to bring safety. And, you know, yeah, it's so fascinating. It just, it feels so similar. It's like that coming from that healthy place of being able to always come back to that heart open, which I feel like for you and your relationship to money is being able to actually experience the money and being able to actually enjoy the pleasures of having it while not being, while not frivolous, frivolously blowing it, but act mm -hmm. like getting rid of it, but actually allowing yourself to enjoy it. It's the same as a relationship. Like when we're in fear in relationship, it's all about like, so with money, I see it as the next thing, wanting more money, wanting more security, wanting more and want to invest more and want to do this thing and that thing and never getting to enjoy it. And in relationship, it looks like wanting the commitment, wanting the ring, wanting the house, wanting the next thing and never getting to enjoy it. And so the sweet spot is actually being able to like have the structures in place so that you can relax, but then also 
allowing yourself the pleasure of enjoying the fruits of your labor, enjoying the fruits of your relationship in the phase it's in right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much to be said about what Catherine spoke to you about it coming from a place of, you know, heart centeredness and also presence, you know, because there is in both of those dynamics with men and with money, an ebb and flow that happens. And they, they both bring up a lot of fucking fear for me personally. It's like, if I spend too much, Oh God, that feels scary. If I fall too hard, Oh God, that feels scary. And so there's like this moving pendulum pendulum of, you know, what you said about relaxing into it though makes you makes it feel like more of like a joyful ride than like a terrifying roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have going to stop spa instead yeah. of the theme park. <laughs> it it's why healing work is so important because primal need is safety and security. Mm-hmm. Like that is appropriate for children. <laughs> to be in in that primal fear of I need to be feel safe and secure by external. It is a parent's job to take mm-hmm. care of the kid and protect them. It is not your partner's job to take care of you and to make sure that you are safe. It is yours. And I, I mean, I guess my, when I think of my work is cultivating a healthy relational self. And so the next polarity is rigid or spontaneous. And you either have someone who's super rigid, right? Like very structured, like following the scripts. Like I imagine in, with money, it could look like being very, very meticulous around money Budget. and then too spontaneous, right? Spending whatever. I'm just making investments all over the place. Like I'm in the name of, in the name of pleasure. And, you know, a healthy relational self is I know when to implore boundaries, right. And, and set limits around finances and then when to take risks. You know, I was, I worked for a nonprofit and I remember I'm sitting at the, you know, in the nonprofit, everyone was struggling. Like that was the environment. Like it was one of struggle and not having your needs met. And that was like, I'm not, I don't want to live like this. Like I can't, I can be of service without feeling like none of my needs are met. And I was making $32,000 a year as a 23, how old was I? 23, 23, 22. And my first relation, my first life coach was $350 a month. And I had to send her a check. You guys, I mailed her a check like this in 2012. And I remember feeling sick. Like it was such a huge amount of money, $350 a month when you're making $32,000 a year. And it was the most extraordinary thing I'd ever done for myself. And then now, nine years later, and Kate knows this, my healing in this past two past year has been limit setting, has been getting so grounded in whatever investment I'm about to make. Like, is this aligned? Does this support me right now? Is this necessary right now? And learning how to manage my money in a completely different way. Because spontaneity was not really a problem. <laughs> Um, for me. And so for everyone to like, fine, like heart center is, can I have limits, but also take risks, right? And be spontaneous and be willing to make investments because every woman can, uh, you know, investing in yourself brings up all of your self-worth stuff, but it's also about taking a risk and then being responsible for the investment you're making, right? You better believe I was showing up for that 350 a month. Like I was present and focused for those (laughs) life coaching sessions. Right. And that that's a part of accountability 
too. And so I've watched like in my own life, what does it mean to save and be responsible for that and learn how to fall in love with my savings account growing. And then also be mindful of the investments I need to make, like in, investing in, te- in teammate team members to support my business was another, was a huge edge for and me. I, so and, I don't know. If and, that. I just want to say the moral of this story for both relationships and money is like, heart centered in your heart, heart open, but also boundaries in place. It's like, you can be on a date with anyone and you can have your heart wide open. And as long as you also have your boundaries in place, ready to go, you know how to say no, you know how to walk away. If it doesn't feel good, you know how to, yeah. You, and so it's the same with money. It's like needing, it's like, it, it, to me, it's the divine masculine and feminine. You need the banks of the river and you need the flow. We just solved everything. <laughs> it's it's because it's the place like it's it seems that most women in love and money fall on one of the extremes. And the, the key is to not be in any of the extremes. Of course, we swing. And sometimes when you're in one extreme, you have to swing to the other in order to feel right. that place in the middle and to find it. But that it's always and we're going to naturally swing because we're not humans are designed to be perfect in any way. And yet it's like always coming back to that sweet spot in the middle. Wait a minute. Is my heart open? Am I in my heart? Am I connected? Am I playing? Am I having fun? Am I enjoying this money? Am I playing? Am I having fun? Am I enjoying this relationship? And do I know when to draw the line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brings up so many. Like, I'm also so curious about the male perspective of mm. of women and finances. Like, how much of it do we create versus, you know, what the majority actually like? like you know, what are I'm curious? What are men's stances on? you know, do they feel like they need a women, woman this day and age that they need to support? Are they repulsed by having to support women? Like, cause they're, they're changing and, and evolving too. And it's like, you know, we think that men want to take care of women because that's kind of the evolution of, of, you know, they've provided safety and security for us. And I wonder as times are changing, if their mentality about it is changing too. And is like, is that the progressive man? Is that the conscious man? And, and what does he stand for? I think every now, now we're in, how do you talk about money and partnership? Because mm-hmm. I have a friend who her husband's about to be the stay at home dad. Hmm. And my friend who makes a tremendously more money (laughs) than her partner. And so what's so tough for me now, we're in like the bullshit of dating advice rather than the work of discovering like what matters to me? Hmm. Do Hmm. I know how to choose a partner that is emotionally present and secure and available and take off money and how tall he is and how much fucking personal development workshops he's attended and like know what it feels like to be valued for who I am and do I know how to value a man for who he is because what is unconscious in men is that their value is in their capacity to provide Mm -hmm. and if you've been listening to this podcast my husband got sick and did not work and stopped working and went through a huge identity crisis. And we had constant conversations about what it meant for him as a man to now have me taking care of him and taking care of the finances and talking about money. You know, I was saying to my friend this morning, there was a, I can't remember who it was, but a woman who was dating a football player and he got hurt and she shared her story of like, we thought we were going to be set for life. He was making millions and then he got hurt and could not play. And then we lost everything 
And so it's just so interesting, like how we choose a partner, we can either choose from primal need, like a child, or we can choose from our soul mm-hmm. and then choose a partner that you can even have these conversations with. Like when I think of my friend where he's going to be the stay at home dad, that is just who she is. Like there is no way my friend was going to end up with a man who like didn't support her being able to do what she wanted to do. And so it's like, invite yourself to stop looking at other people's relationships and then learn the art of intimacy, which is how to actually get to know someone, right? Mm -hmm. And be willing to ask those questions when you're dating, right? What is your relationship to money? What do you like spending your money on? How did your family talk about money? Now, I married someone who has a completely different experience of money. Like his parents are very wealthy. My parents, I was getting like smacked if I took coins off the counter, you know? Um, and so it's so, I, I do think similar to Knight in Shining Armor is unconscious for us. Knight in Shining Armor is unconscious for them. They think that that is what's expected of them, mm-hmm. right? The fairy tale impacts men too. Definitely. And the waking up to, it's like, we're all deciding what works for us. And again, coming back to, do we know how to have a relationship from the truth of our hearts? Because I can only actually be secure in my relationship. if I have the capacity to leave it. I loved what you said about um, it coming back to just doing what, what you think is good for you. Because I think that I have a lot of belief around but I should be welcoming a man. I should be letting him support me. I should be um, in more of my receptive nature. But then when you said that about your friend, I'm just like, but that's just not who I am. Right. (laughs) I I just, I'm not that in any relationship in my life. And um, I grew up in a family also where my mom made more money than my dad. But even though the the what you would call traditional roles seemed very very like traditional my dad was the man of the house my mother was the mother you know but she made more money than he did and I'm not sure how that affected their dynamic um but just realizing like there are so many different dynamics and there there's also a friend of mine who was actually uh, on your show not that long ago as well she was talking about how this year she outperformed uh, her husband drastically and in terms of um, uh, income and what that has meant for, for their career and how much they've had to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's where it goes back to getting into partnership with somebody where none of that, what it wasn't not about any of that. It was about the values of the human and what would happen in either one of those things. And I I do have to say I've entered relationship with many men who were very much okay with me making more money. And I would guess that they were looking more at it from she's willing to support me than, oh, I value the way that she is with money. And yeah, yeah, it goes, it it definitely goes both ways. And that was kind of an eye opener, what you said, Catherine, about getting into a relationship and exploring the deeper, um, conversation around it rather than seeing what it is of surface level. I make more money than you right now. That means I'm always going to make more money or um, this will work because I'm okay with you making more money than me or um, yeah, Yeah. it's also an evolution. We we never know what the frick is going to happen. Exactly. Everything can change. When I met Jeff, he had no, he just quit his job. 
I remember that. I remember being like, who is this guy? Are you sure, Kate? Shitty car. (laughs) He had like the worst car. Yeah. And, and, and here, like people, life and Andrew, like got sick, you know, life changes, people change. Nothing is set in stone. Like we talk, talking about recessions and like all these things, like people COVID, like people lost their jobs who thought they had the ultimate job security. It is life is so unpredictable. And I love that we're talking about this because to me, the most important thing is that you know who you are and that you're with someone who knows who they are and what are your, like how in dating, most people are so surfacey that they're, and, and projecting so much fantasy onto the other person of who they think they are. And then they get swept away by that. And then they end up in a relationship and then one day they're having kids and they have completely different values. And like one, you know, parent, it, you know, ends up, whatever, having a drug addiction or, or ends up being, having a gambling addiction or has some, some, something goes on. Then they're like, what? I thought I knew this person, but did you? And that's why I just mm-hmm. like knowing our own non-negotiables and Chell calls them your pillars, which I've loved. And I've used that for years, like knowing your five, six core pillars and which are your values. And these can change over time as we grow and as we evolve, but keep checking back in what are my, like for me, emotional connection is one of my non-negotiables in all relationships. It's so, so important to me. And, and it's like knowing what those are so that when you are getting to to know another human and, and you don't use it like a checklist, it's not like on date one, two, and three, where you're like, so how do you feel about health check? Okay. How do you feel? about adventure. Okay, great. <laughs> like, but, but you, as you organically let things unfold, as you get to know people and you're connecting and you're out there dating from non-attachment, you can actually just stay rooted in your, in your, in your values and your non-negotiables and know, okay, well, this really matters to me. And is this person, does it matter to them too? And it doesn't have to look the same, but are they a sovereign soul? Like you wouldn't want some guy come along. Who's like looking for a sugar mama, but you know, if a man, but, but I'm sure that, yeah, for sure. But I'm sure there is, um, an amazing man out there. I could absolutely see you as someone who ended up being a stay at home dad, but not because he's latching onto your train. Cause then he would be disempowered and you wouldn't be attracted to him, but a man who is totally in his power doing his thing. And then you had kids and he was like, Hey babe, I love these kids. I just want to stay home. And it's not because he needs you to be the provider. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, again, it's always like, where's it coming from and being so in ourselves and our own non-negotiables, but also knowing that those can change too, as we evolve, but having that, I look at the non-negotiables kind of like anchors Mm -hmm. for who we are. And if we keep being super triggered by someone in our lives, maybe it's bumping up against one of our non-negotiables. Yes. So, Oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, what are there like, like speaking of anchors or pillars, like, would you say there are anchors for women as they're, as they're coming into like learning how to manage their money? Like, are there core things that every woman should know? And, um, I don't, I don't know, like paying, paying attention to like, where is empowerment around money? I don't know if you would call it anchors or pillars, but if you could in like there are three things every woman needs to know right around money like what would you say 100 percent um the the thing about building wealth and whatever that that means for you one of the the largest um components of that is really time 
And so it doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter um, if you're crushing it for the time being. What really matters is that you're doing small, consistent things at any point. It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old, 15 years old, or 35 years old, but that you implement something and you become consistent with it. So let's say, for example, you only have $50 a month that you feel like you can save right now, but being consistent with that $50 from now and then recognizing, hey, I'm making more money right now. Let's put a little bit more aside. Setting yourself up financially does require a little bit of discomfort, seeing what's possible, but you learn how to be creative in the discomfort. And this is truly how I run my business too. My business, um, I pull actually a lot of money out of my business to invest it for tax reasons and um, just smartness more than anything. But what that also does is it allows you to turn off the switch that you have that money and get creative with how you build a bigger business with less resources. And people need to learn how to do that in their financial life too. So you take a little bit of away, you get a little uncomfortable, but you get super savvy on how to make your life what you want it to be without that that currency in hand and all of a sudden you start to see the building of something and you're like oh this this works oh i can make myself a little bit more uncomfortable um so i would say time and consistency are two of the biggest things and there you do not need to make a certain amount of money for it to be the right time to start saving this is like the number one biggest mistake that people make it they only want to start saving money when they start making large amounts of it. You have to first look at the life that you're living. If you're living outside of your means and it's not necessarily about making more money, it's typically about cutting out some unnecessary things or making not even sacrifices, but just, uh, reshuffling, I would call it reshuffling. And seeing what Matt, like um, there was a book, I think it's in, I teach you to be, I will teach you to be rich, but he talks about putting, putting money, like where you're spending only spend on what you freaking love. So if it's healing sessions, spend on that, but like stop spending on clothes and coffees or freaking love coffees, spend money on coffees, but stop spending money on healing sessions and clothes or (laughs) whatever. And so, yeah. And I just, as you're talking, I'm like, Ooh, this is such a great way for women. Obviously some women listening already you know, do this well. And then there's a lot who don't. And I feel, I feel like self-worth and money are so freaking tied and allowing yourself to, to grow that wealth and to grow. I, I think of the golden goose, like when you're talking about putting it away and having it grow in, in Bitmoji, of course, <laughs> <laughs> investing in Bitmoji, um, go having it grow is like having that golden goose that's taking care of you later. And, and I just think like, as women, I know for me, I, I've, I've had no problem making money. And when, and even when you're talking about like, start saving now, it, cause it doesn't matter whatever your pattern is. So for me, it's like, I spend so easily, I make money really easily, but I spend really easily. So it's like, doesn't matter how much I make my spend Ending, I just gets more savvy and I just get better at it. <laughs> and it's so it's it's actually an inability to receive. And of course, you and I have had lots of conversations around this and me working on the ability to actually let myself have it and receive it. And it's a self-worth thing. Like this is another some women don't let love in, some women don't let compliments in, some women don't let physical touch in and some of us don't let money and it's all tied into self-worth. So your ability to actually 
you know, if you are on this pendulum side of, of not able to hold it or not able to grow it or not able to put any aside, it's like, this is a part of building that safety and self-worth from within. Hmm. And I think that a lot of people, especially women, believe that money is very complicated or building wealth is very complicated. And because they might not know how the stock market works, they might not know what a bond is, they don't know how interest rates or compound interest work. You don't need to know any of that. If you're just starting, if you're just beginning, all that you need to know is when you make some money, put a little bit away. That's literally saving 101 and that you just be continually doing that for time to come. And then as your financial literacy grows, when you have some money and you think, okay, I'm growing this money. How can I grow it faster? How can I, how can Mm. I, what, what now can I do with it? That's where you start to learn about investing and you might go down different routes and, and things like that. But in the beginning, I think we just need to take away and strip it for what it is, which is just setting money aside. And again, not saving necessarily for a house, not saving for anything, but just hedging against this life that is so unpredictable and letting yourself either enjoy it from a pleasure standpoint or a goal standpoint, whatever that is, but just knowing that you did that, like there's so much worth building in saving you did yes. that. You were responsible for it. There's nobody else, you know, even if you freaking, let's say you're in a, let's say that you're in a marriage and your husband gives you an allowance for wh- whatever reason. And instead of spending that thousand dollars, you took 500 and you, you saved it in your own account. Like that, there's something about that, that becomes your money because you chose responsibly to hold on to it in that fashion rather than just like blowing it or knowing that it's going to come again next month because that's that's the piece that I was talking to you about which is you have to be a little bit paranoid about what if it doesn't come anymore Mm. and optimism is great in a lot of areas in life but in terms of building wealth it's actually uh, a bit of a recipe for disaster because you always assume um that it's going to come or it's never going to run out or, you know, that there'll always be more. And that is the case. But, um, you know, I believe that even if I lost all of my wealth, that I would rebuild it, but there's going to be a lot of a low uh, for a long time that will take a little bit of effort to get out of. Um, and those are the, the things you want to be uh, prepared for so that it uh, doesn't rock you in a way that you can't sleep at night or, you know, whatever, negative things might come. I feel like the word paranoid, like uh, that, I, I mean, for me, it's just like presence because it, it's the same as relationship. You can be in the most, I mean, I have a client who literally had the most epic love story, two teenage daughters, husband and her had been together since college. So in love, actually you might know her. I'm not going to say her name, but I think you know her because I met her originally at, at um, our old company and she was, had this epic, epic life. And she and her husband had just bought this huge piece of land together in Australia where they're from and, and built their dream home. And and they were 45 years old and he got an unknown source of cancer and he passed away a year and a half later and they planned their entire life together and they dreamed together. And the future is not ours. 
Mm-hmm. It is not promised. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I don't even just mean death, but like nothing is, if COVID has taught us anything, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing is guaranteed. So to practice more like you're, I mean, it's, it's, it's presence, but also like just knowing like tomorrow's not guaranteed. So even though I have all this wealth here and, or even though I have this beautiful, epic love, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So it allows us to actually be more in the experience now, but also, um, yeah, it's like be, be, be building that security for, for what's to come because we just don't know. It's, I just keep thinking of how love and money, but also what it takes to develop consciousness. Like consciousness isn't new age spirituality and being positive all the time. Consciousness is living in tension. Yeah. And not breaking the tension and keeping promises to yourself is the fastest way to build self-esteem. And that the first, I mean, I, I actually saved a lot in college and then I got sober and spent it all. And then had to begin again because getting sober was was so fucking hard. And that was like the only discipline I could practice was not drinking one day at a time. And I spent all my money um, at 21 years old, all the, all of my savings when I was in college, I spent um, getting sober and then I built it again. But how I built it again was every time I got paid, especially as a coach, it was, I started with 10% of whatever income came in. Like every time I got a check, I, I had clients mailing me checks when I started coaching and that like that small thing. And then the percentage could go and learning, especially as entrepreneurs, I imagine you have a lot to say about this too, but like paying yourself first. Now we're in love and money, love as believing your needs can be met. Mm-hmm. hanging on to money, having money in your account is about your relationship to your needs. It's not your relationship to self-worth. It's, do you believe that your needs can be met? And that as a, then you're in a, I'm worthy of having my needs met, right? I'm worthy of having the life that I want. That is mine that I design. No one is coming to save you. And then even in your story, Kate, and you're, you could have the greatest love story ever and your partner's still not saving you or taking care of you. But this is why caring for your heart. Like when my, when my husband got sick, I actually stepped into what it meant to be married. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I, rather than the pedestal, I had put my, my husband was this ambitious, confident, smoking hot, powerful, masculine man who then lost over a hundred pounds and I'm having to help shower. I'm going to try not to cry (laughs) like that. That is how my whole life flipped upside down. And then we choose from bullshit in partnership rather than love, which is not, can you make all my dreams come true. But do I know the soul of who you are and do we have shared values and shared commitment? This is when commitment starts to matter. And I'm thinking about with money, like the commitment to care for myself and recognize the tension of life, right? Mm -hmm. That things, things come and go. And I don't want to be always hustling every month. Like when I think of the gift of having savings is that I can actually look ahead at my year and say, okay, Oh, when do I need a bunch of clients? When am I going to launch a program? And then when there's my vacation, (laughs) like when am I taking care of myself and taking a break? And then, okay, I'll set the goal for how many clients I need that month. Um, And so it's such, I mean, I think Kate and I, you've, we've said it almost every episode. It's like radical responsibility is not just this concept, 
you know, like it is an embodied practice of taking responsibility for your life over and over and over and over again. And I love Rochelle that you just said, like, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you can start saving now. Like you can start saving $5 a week if like, that's what you can do. But like to take that power back and keep that promise to yourself because self-esteem 101 is keeping promises to yourself. Like like that's the beginning. Like staying committed to your morning rituals, how like right. so how so often we fall off or don't want to, or and it's like that that's how you build it from within. You just keep and there's so many ways that we can do it. And this is one huge way where women can create that security and safety within. Um, but it's yeah, one day at a time, one moment at a time, one choice at a time. But how often are we choosing ourselves? I'm doing a hormone reset right now, and it's been phenomenal, like how committed I am to the, like cutting out all the foods that I needed to cut out and taking these billion supplements and doing all these things. And it's, it's like, oh yeah, I'm worth feeling good. I'm worth sleeping through the night. Like, and we have to choose. Nobody is going to choose any of these things for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much of it just comes back to personal responsibility, you know, anchored in who we are. And um, Catherine, your story is such a great reminder about entering relationship to, you know, about what's important versus what's not. And I think it is easy to look at somebody's relationship to money or the job that they have at the moment mm-hmm. that you meet them and forget about the, the who the human is. And, and, you know, yeah. Kate being able to see past Jeff about like where he was at in that moment versus where he wanted to go. And um, yeah, it's, it's a true awakening to just the presence of what, who you are and who the person in front of you is and, and, you know, energetically what you feel with them and what you hope can come of, of that partnership, um, money or not, you know, and how they interact with other people and how they navigate their own life. Like that's where the tells are not in how you feel Mm -hmm. and how you see, how you witness them interact with the world versus, what most of us do, even, you know, after listening to 70 something podcast episodes of the new truth, it's still so easy because we're indoctrinated. Like every time you turn on the radio, hear a song, it's all fantasy, fairy tale love stories everywhere. And so as single women, it's so hard to not want to go like, want to just paint a picture onto someone because they check some boxes, they're good looking and they're successful and they're, you know, funny or charming or whatever the, whatever the things are. It's so easy to get blinded by that instead of actually like, this is why it's so important to be anchored and rooted within ourselves in as many ways as possible, because then you can sit back and trust life, trust the process and actually just like we do with friends, like when you really love how a friend shows up in the world, in your life, when you, how you feel when you're around them, you're going to be way more likely to spend way more time with that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's just, there's a lot to bring it back always to ourselves. And, um, you know, when talking about a man is not a financial plan, I think that, you know, you have the power and you do have to remember that and in partnership or, you know, being single, you know, what is, is the draw to, to come together and also what's the draw in your uh, independence. 
Mm-hmm. Not anti-independence. <laughs> anti-dependence. Yes. <laughs> so I means interdependence is the goal. You know, I'm thinking about the ways Andrew asked me for money. Like his vulnerability of this, you know, I need your support right now, you know, when he was sick and things we made possible. And I another one of my favorite things you've said today, Rochelle, is that reminder of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm thinking about t- why tension matters, like pausing long enough when you're like that holding tension and making a decision around money or taking responsibility for your money. And, you know, there are women who've had to start their lives all over, you know, getting a divorce. And, and I've said recently, like, may you always be willing to begin again. Yes. Remember that you can't, no matter what is going on with your finances right now, no matter what's going on in your love life right now, you can learn how to do things differently. Like you can begin right now to do things differently and know that it will be fucking uncomfortable when yeah. you're making patterns and when you're learning how to do things differently. And also look at the discomfort. Like this is um, a really great example of somebody who thinks that saving might be uncomfortable because they won't have enough. Think about how much discomfort they're currently experiencing in being in debt or not having money. Like there is discomfort on both ends of the spectrum, but one has a bit more of a positive long-term effect, whereas the, the other one doesn't. So oftentimes when I'm experiencing discomfort, I'm also looking at the other side of that, of like, Mm. what, how am I also experiencing discomfort right now? And you can, you can weight loss is a similar thing. Working out is uncomfortable, but sitting in your heaviness is also uncomfortable. It's a, it's a choice of tension. And I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I always think, I always say to my clients when they're like, oh, this is so much work and I being self-aware and like having, you know, taking radical responsibility. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's even more work to be in your protective mechanisms all day long. And so it's choice of tension. It's choice of tension either way. And so why don't you choose the one that has, might be uncomfortable in this moment, but it's going to feel better long-term. I feel like that's like my, my big takeaway. I love having, I love that we all came into this, you know, seeing what we can give and, and what we can offer. And then, you know, walking away from it being like, whoa, I just got my own like golden nugget. Thank (laughs) you. Yes. Well, Rochelle, we, we dove right in, but I'd, I'd love to hear any last things you want to say to women and also like what you're up to, like who you are in the world and, and what's, what's, lighting, you know, your heart on fire right now? Oh man. I I feel like I've had a real evolution in the last 10 years of, um, I went to nutrition school and, uh, became a holistic nutritionist that evolved to working as a personal chef, which evolved to opening up a personal chef company. Um, and really where that actually has gone now is the business side of running a business. (laughs) (laughs) and, and, um, helping people on, on that spectrum, because, uh, we during COVID, like many companies, even though our private chef service was booming at the time, uh, we decided, I decided, um, that it was time for something different in the evolution of my career. And so we launched a certification program where people could learn the ins and outs of our business, um, and learn how to be private chefs, uh, holistic private chefs themselves. 
50% of that is all business coaching and mindset and money and, um, you know, 50% is also culinary, but the, the real juice behind that teaching for me is in helping people even just in, you know, their business being one person, establishing a good relationship to um, their future in that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the business has always been a, one of the largest points of interest in my career, even though I work as a private chef every day, still uh, building business side of things and helping people achieve success is actually my, my goal 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, that's definitely going to be my assistance in the world. I feel very lucky of my path in that direction. And, you know, I, I don't say that I do it now because I still think that I have so much to learn in another 10 years. And so even though there's things to offer, you know, Kate and I sat down together a couple of weeks ago and months ago, maybe now, and uh, shared with her just some like small insights that were, you know, things that I've been implementing for years and forgetting that there are, even though, you know, I don't feel like where I, I've arrived where I want to be um, from the business angle and the financial literacy angle. I definitely see that's where, where I'll be headed. You have so much to offer most humans. You're in a very small percentile for what you know, and you, you'll never arrive. Like, I mean, if there's anything I've learned in, in coaching and teaching, it's just like, start now. There's so many humans that you can help. And I think like one, what I love most about getting support from you is that you are so not judgmental. Like Mm -hmm. I feel shame and embarrassment around like this topic is so sensitive and, um, yeah, you're just not judgmental. You're so open-hearted and I feel like so much possibility and Mm -hmm. so much also excitement be like a badass like you, like you're just such Mm -hmm. a badass. And I feel like, yeah, I want that. (laughs) So I'm so happy that you're headed in this direction. And yeah, I mean, I will support you to make it happen and create (laughs) courses to transform this for women or whoever you choose to help because this is needed. Yeah, very much. My coach, Erin uh, Sky Kelly, she just put out a book called the Get Out of Hel- um, Get the Hell Out of Debt program. Cool. Um, she's, been run- she's been running that for years, like I think ten years or something like that. But it's just such a topic, and it doesn't matter, you know, what business people have. It's like, uh, and women specifically, truly women in this regard. Um, but it's just, it's been such a cool personal journey for me. Um, even though I knew about investing when I was 15 years old, I didn't get into the market until my early thirties. It's, and it's like also exploring why that is, why we have some of the tools, but yet we're not pull and shoot. And some of that just requires like a little handholding. And, uh, you know, I, I hope to offer that to people, uh, down the road. Thank you so, so much. My, my main thing is the remembrance of the like I can attitude versus like the victim consciousness of I can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I can't learn this. I can't figure this out rather than I can. And I will start slow, like one step at a time. And like that is true empowerment. And there's a reason why all of this is so hard, you know, for most women and that we're changing the world through our empowerment. You know, I'm so, so happy to have had you on 
today. This is an incredible conversation. And you know the drill, everyone listening. Like if this has impacted you, if this moved you, let us know. It means so much to all of us. And especially letting, you know, Rochelle know how this knowledge has transformed you and empowered you. You can start wherever you are. And I actually have a client who's starting a um, program called Market Start. And it's literally for women to learn how to work the stock market. So like it's in the air, you know, people figuring this out and we are still the minority (laughs) on on being empowered around money. Yeah. COVID has definitely brought up a lot of money awareness for people. I've noticed there's been a heightened sense of my friends being interested in learning to invest and get a little bit more savvy. It could have something to do with our age, you know, being somewhere between 30 and 40 and just getting a little bit more away aware, waking up to the fairy tale, realizing that a lot of us are um, uh, wanting to make steps on our own rather than with somebody else. Um, But Catherine, before we end, I wanted to say, uh, a tool in the like I can thing is for people to just recognize on you know from the moment you get up in the morning to the moment you go to sleep noticing how many things that you're either saying I can or I can't to when life throws you things like mm-hmm. I very much navigate from a I can perspective I can carry those bags I can go pick up that thing I can meet you there versus versus the, oh, I can't do that. And just, just notice, you know, it's not even to say one is better than the other, but just get curious about, are you typically in a place of like, no, 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 I can't, I can't. Or it's like, I can, let's see what's possible. Yes. Cause our survival, our survival wiring just automatically will go to can't and, and, and then there's nowhere to go from there versus wait, okay. how, How do I feel? How does this feel? And how can I make it possible? Simply just changing the conversation that we're having with ourselves. I can, I can, I can. I love it. What's your Instagram handle? So um, at Beyond Nourished is our my company handle. At Rochelle Jean Four is my personal handle. And yeah, you can get a lot of um, the inner workings of the building of a business through the Beyond Nourished page. Um, I share a lot of the building of the business on that page, um, not just delicious food pics and recipes. <laughs> that's good too though (laughs) yes oh my god also her recipes are insane like insane yeah so good so that's thank you yes a jill of a few trades um thank you guys so much for having me on it was um yeah such a pleasure to get to some of the bottoms of that so fun thanks for coming love so great thank you adios Hi, it's Kate. Thanks so much for listening to the New Truth Podcast. For more of Catherine and I, come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group. We are in there. That's where we're sharing all about our programs and our free workshops that we do. Um, You can come join us there and ask as many questions as you want about the podcast episodes, about dating, relationships, any struggles you're having out there. We would love to support you. So come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group and we will see you soon.